Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Cowie, I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottcowie.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week on the podcast, Guns N' Roses first manager, Vicky Hamilton. Super interesting stories indeed. Very, very insightful and really, really appreciate Vicky taking the time out of her busy schedule. Of course, she's still managing bands. She's out there doing it in Los Angeles and uh, just super insightful. I've watched a lot of her interviews online, read a bit as well, and we definitely got a few exclusives, shall we say. It's all coming up. It's going to be a good one. Before we get to the interview, I am joined now by my friend, my best friend, my best violin playing friend, my best female violin playing American friend, ladies and gentlemen, Nora Francesca Juliette Germain. Nora, how are we? I'm feeling great. How are you? You know me, Nora. Can't complain. Never do. We're breaking podcast records. Thousands of people listening to this. Thanks to everybody for going to YouTube and checking out the Scott Cowie, Katie Tunstall interview. Thousands of people listening were famous as fuck, Nora. FAF, I love it. Glory, glory, Scott. Hallelujah. No, 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 no. Okay. Scott Cowie. Scott Cowie is the, the, the appropriate term there. Anyway, there you go. It's all happening here. Nora, we're going to answer an email. Are you ready for this? Oh, hell yeah, yeah. Sarah from Brighton writes in, Hi, Scott and Nora. Um, Please give me advice. Um, Okay. I don't have the confidence to chat up guys in my local pub. I go around and all my friends seem to have the confidence, but I just struggle with the confidence in general. Um, Can you please tell me what I should say in order for these guys um, to get... uh, Sorry, just scrolling down this email here in order to get their attention. So, Nora, what we should do is, right, given that you're clearly a master of this art, right, <laughs> you play, right, uh, you play Sarah and I will play the role of the guy in the pub, right, or the guy in the bar, as you Americans would say, right? So you're Sarah, I'm standing I'm stand at the bar, right? Hit me, go for it. Now, do I know you yet or am I just... You, you don't know me. I'm just standing in the bar. I'm looking cool. I'm looking the way I look all the time. Yeah. And, right, go for it. Hey. Hi, what the hell do you want? I was just trying to flirt with you a little bit. All right, okay. Do you want me to flirt with you, or is it not a good time right now? Uh, How much money have you got in your bank account? Enough to flirt with you. That was quite quick. Right, continue. Um, uh, okay, my name's Fred. Hey, Fred. Hi. I'm Sally. <laughs> what do you do for a living, Sally? What do you do for a living, Fred? 
I'm a bin man. You're a what? I'm a, a garbage man, a bin man. I collect garbage. Oh. That's why I stink. Well, I think garbage is sexy. You're the first person that's ever said that. Yeah, well, I'm trying to flirt with you, so maybe it's nice if you flirt back. All right, okay. Uh, do you want to uh, go out and buy me dinner at some point? I think you should buy me dinner because you're a garbage man. I fucking make no money, bitch. Maybe you should just pay for my meal. If you're going to flirt with me, you're going to have to take me out for dinner. Okay. There you go. That was like a masterclass by Nora Germain in the house. <laughs> Nora, how do you feel Fred, that? Of all names, Fred. What's wrong with Fred? Nothing. I just thought it was funny. Why? Right. I tell you what, for any guys out there, let's do it the opposite way about, right? You're, you're a woman, you're standing at the bar, right? And I'll, I'll do the, the role that you just did there, right? So, Sarah, I hope you're learning stuff for this because that was a little bit of a masterclass. You know? Nora's quite a smooth operator, aren't you, Nora? I think so. Look at her. She's all confident now, right? Here we go. Hi. What the hell do you want? I want you to buy me dinner, you bitch. Can't you see I'm here trying to drink with my friends in a miniskirt? I don't need you and your stupid talk coming over here ruining my evening with my girlfriends. Well, you can tell your friends to go to hell because I've seen you at the bar and uh, I want you to buy me dinner. Well, if you're going to come over here and ask me to buy you dinner, then why don't you just ask me on a real date instead of being so rude about it? Okay, would you like to go to McDonald's tomorrow at 2 o'clock? I've got a, a small space of window that I can fit you in uh, between 2 and 2.15. Would you like yeah, to go I'm, to McDonald's drive-thru? I'm vegan. Yes, exactly. But they've got some nice salads in at McDonald's these days without cheese and without any of the, uh, the meat and or dairy. So um, I've thought of this through. You look like a vegan, my kind of person. <laughs> what do you mean, I look like a vegan? What does that even mean? Are you trying to judge me? Yes. I'm judging you as a really cool person that doesn't eat meat. Okay, well, okay, let's go then. Brilliant. There we go. That was great. What do you think of that? I reckon I'm quite smooth there. Was that like talking to James Bond? Um... Yeah, I mean, I've been on a date with James Bond, so I definitely know what that's like. What one? What do you mean, what one? There's about a million and one James Bonds. All of them. Do your James Bond impression. Um. Say the famous line. You've got to do the famous line. What did you say? The famous line. What the, one? The name's Bond, James Bond. Oh, the name's Bond. James Bond. No, do the impression. Don't just repeat what I said in your own accent. Oh, the name's Bond. James Bond. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what, what other impressions can you do? Um, I don't know. Right, I'll throw a person's name at you. You try and do an impression, right? Okay. Here we go. Elmo. Elmo? Yeah, Elmo. What does Elmo sound like? He's the little red furry guy for Sesame Street. Hi, I'm Elmo. I don't know. Right, that was good. Cookie Monster. 
Wow. Sorry. Being in a room with Pete Sellers. It's pretty unbelievable. <laughs> Nora's your main on the podcast. Don't forget to pledge. Nora's your main.com. Pledgemusic.com, is it? Help me out here. Yeah. So here's what it is. So if you go to my website, noradjermaine.com, the home page is up, is the whole thing about pledge music. You can see all the wonderful artists that have pledged already and some endorsements from some people, some videos there, people talking about why you should pledge and um, a little info about what I'm doing. So if you want to hear my new album and if you want to read my new book, get on there and gets your support in like lots and lots of other people have and scott has too so i know he's a big trendsetter for all of you so would you say i'm a trendsetter when it comes to fashion absolutely thank you ladies and gentlemen nora germain on the podcast she never fails to entertain that could be your new line it could be yeah never failing to entertain entertaining since 2005. In 2005, I was 14. Exactly. That's about right. Yeah, That's about See, right. told you. Mom, I've got fast math. Nora Germain in the podcast. We're going to get right to the interview. It's going to be a good one. Thank you. What's that? Nora Germain is applauding me. Thank you very much. means a lot that you're applauding me because I this rate you. This is a ovation right now. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Nor is your main in the house. Boom. Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast with Vicky Hamilton. How are you, Vicky? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Scott? Yeah, I'm, I'm not bad at all. Um, we had a, a brief chat there um, offline, off air, um, just about your career, about how much how much you've done. So how, how did it all start off then, obviously relating to music? Um, well, I moved to L.A. in 1981, 82. It's like I came for a year and then I went back to Indiana and saved money and uh, came back here. But um. I started out in, as a record store clerk in Indiana and also in LA and met bands. And then, you know, I was, I promoted concerts of, on the Sunset Strip and other venues and became an agent. So that's kind of where it started for me. And when I was working in the record store, I met Nikki Six from Motley Crue and became a management consultant to Motley Crue. And, uh, that kind of fired it up for me. I had managed bands in Indiana as well. So I moved out to LA with the intention of managing bands. So that's kind of how it started. Now, I'm a big fan of everybody in Motley Crue, of course, the band themselves. But given that that might have been one of the first management roles that you had, um, that's a bit of a baptism of fire, isn't it? Managing Motley Crue. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, so, so um, yeah, you, they were my first in many ways. Right, you know? okay, okay. First band I saw go to major success. Um, you know, first band I like did coke and things with, and my first band that I worked from Hollywood. So yeah, it was an exciting time. You know, right. So um, obviously you're mentioning there that you did did coke with the guys. So straight away, nothing's off limits. <laughs> What, uh, give, give us a couple of stories about the crew then, uh, ones that of course you can get, I suppose everything's been written about them anyway, haven't it, hasn't it? So uh, give us a couple of stories from back in the day then with the, with the guys. Um, 
Well, it's all going to be in my book, Appetite for Dysfunction. But um, <laughs> that's, you know. a, that's the best name for a book I've ever heard. <laughs> I just got the artwork yesterday. I was like making it sort of real for me. It's finally coming. But um, well, you know, they lived up the street from uh, the record store I was working at was Caddy Corner from the Whiskey A Go Go. And I kept seeing them walk up the hill. And at that point in time, in music history, it was like punk rock was sort of reigning supreme with like, uh, you know, Henry Rollins and uh, Fear and uh, those type of circle jerks. Those kind of bands were like huge. But so when you see like these glam rockers and high heel stilettos walking up the hill, you're like, what the hell is that? You know, and, you know, one day Nikki came into the store with, um, his then girlfriend, a girl named Evelyn Roth, who was a German fashion model. And we just started like talking and, uh, you know, I said I had moved to LA because I kind of had hit the glass ceiling in Indiana. And, um, he's like, well, everybody in LA is from somewhere else. And, you know, like, welcome to the club basically. And maybe you could like work with us. And <clears throat> I went to see a show at the whiskey and I just like completely loved it. And, um, Nikki introduced me to Alan Kaufman, which was their first manager. And, um, I became a management consultant. I, you know, I did a lot of, uh, um, display merchandising for them. And I shopped their demo to a lot of record company people. Um, but one day I like, I, it, the record came out right around Valentine's day and we were like cutting them out like paper dolls and putting them on hearts on the displays. And I like stapled my thumb to like Vince's face on one of the displays. And the band came in to like, look at the display and Vince is like, yeah. And I love that fake blood. I'm like, that's not fake. He's like, yeah, that makes it even cooler. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was an interesting time, you know? Right, so management consultant then, this this intrigues me. So you're not the band's manager, you're consulting their management. I suppose Motley Crue's manager would need some sort of consultant anyway, given that the how fast yeah, they were living at the time. Like real estate guy, you know, he had money, but he didn't really know the music business. Not that at that point in the game, I knew the music industry that well either, because I was, you know, still a beginner as well. But because I was working on the strip and you know, dealing with a lot of record companies, I, you know, kind of got the gig, so. Talk to us about what, what happened next then. So the, the crew, your management consultant for them, and then what band came next? Um, I became an agent. Well, I did some cocktail waitressing jobs and things too, and that's where I had met Striper, who were then called Rock's Regime. And then when I became an agent at Silver Lining Entertainment, I like started booking Striper. And, um, you know, that's where I first met Axl Rose when it was Hollywood Rose and Izzy was in that band as well. And, um, you know, I booked a band called Black Sheep that, you know, Slash was in for about 10 minutes. So that's how I met all of those people. But um, then after that, I started managing Poison and um after poison i managed guns and roses so it was kind of like boom 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 you know i had a lot of good ones all in a row great so what was your first mem memories of uh slash uh seeing, seeing slash uh for the first time um 
Well, I became a fan of Slash the minute I met him, even before I like heard him play guitar. I just liked him as a human being. And, you know, and then when I saw him play with Black Sheep, I was like, wow, this guy's really amazing. And, you know, he said that he was looking for something a little more challenging. And I actually auditioned him for Poison when, you know, their original guitar player, Matt Smith, left the band and he got the gig for a minute. But then he said to Brett Michaels, I'm not going to wear all the effing makeup and I'm not going to say hi, my name slash. So, you know, like the next day, Cece walked in and <laughs> kind of took the gig. But, um, you know, I mean, Slash is just an amazing guitar player and an amazing guy. There's, you know, I can't say anything bad about him, you know. And and likewise, conversely, the guys uh, to this day speak very highly of you. Um, they seem to, to to look back on that time period of, of you. Um, I think Slash said something along the lines of that you tried to, to manage the band with all of your heart and soul. So um, going on to, to Guns N' Roses, what were those days like then trying to generally um, man-manage those guys, so to speak? It was kind of like herding feral cats. Trying to like get them all in the same place at the same time and, you know, make sure that they were, you know, presentable. And, uh, you know, I was kind of worried about their drug and alcohol usage. And, uh, I kind of mothered them and tried to keep them together and sober enough to like play. It was, you know, an interesting time. And I lived with most of them. I, you know, I, the only one I didn't ever live with was Duff because Duff lived with his girlfriend, but all the guys in the band lived with me in my apartment at one point. So <laughs> I can't begin to imagine. I'm looking forward actually to, to reading your book that's going to be coming out. We'll definitely keep, keep plugging this as we go, because I think this is going to be quite a story indeed. The fact that you're living with Guns and Roses. So, um, Listen, I'm anxious to know about Axel because obviously there's been so much written about him, so many rumors. Just generally, from your experience, what's he like? Um, you know, Axel has an interesting personality. He, you know, he can be like the sweetest guy on the planet, but when he's angry, you just like really don't want to like be in his wake. Um, you know, he was very driven and knew what he wanted, and um pretty much got it you know it's like i don't think there's been another singer like him since that time period you know um he kind of lives lived every minute of the day being a rock and roll singer you know mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't really know what to say there you know it's like it, it's been a long time now. I haven't seen Axel since, you know, the early 90s. So I haven't had many conversations with him, you know, since then. It sounds like, I, th I don't know if it was yourself on record that, that, that said or, or somebody else said that if, if there's anybody that could perhaps uh, build that, that bridge between Axel and Slash, it, it could be you. So I think hopefully by a chance meeting, you might meet... I say that what i the interviewer tried to push me to right. like say that and what i said was that if i had axel and slash in the same room which would be a very big if because i haven't been in the same room with axel since the early 90s um 
you know, that maybe I could help the rift between them. That's a big jump to, you know, I could put the band back together. Right. Okay. Uh, You know, it's like anybody, they're just like looking for somebody to like say that and actually make it happen. But who knows? Maybe it will happen. You know, I'm hearing some rumors about that, but, uh, you know, it won't be me. It will be them if they decide to do it. It's like they, you know, they've got to repair their own riffs. Absolutely. Well, fingers crossed, touch. We, we never, never know. I've got a funny feeling it might happen. I don't know what to tell me that, but it might just happen. Fingers crossed it will. So, um, I'd like to think that we'll see it in our lifetime, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and while everybody's still alive, but, uh, yeah. yeah. One of one of uh, one thing that you said, which I thought was brilliant. I listened to one of, one of your other interviews today, and you came up with a great quote. You're saying um, music is a business of relationships, um, which I think is just very very poignant. Um, so just managing through the year, how, how have you managed to change? Because t- even to this day, um, you you've managed in different acts. How, given that the business has changed so much, has your style of management had to change accordingly, or is it? you know has it changed throughout the years generally do you think oh yeah you know the music business is a completely different business than it was um back in the 80s when I was doing those bands I mean I remember getting my first fax machine going oh my god this is going to change my life I will never have to like drive paperwork around town anymore you know and it's become a business where everything is taking place on the internet pretty much um Everything's a lot faster. I mean, there's pros and cons of that, actually. Everything's a lot faster. You can get the information out there to masses of people because of the internet. But, you know, I find the downside of it is that there's no mystery to anything. Like, the mystery that, you know, the bands of the 70s, like Led Zeppelin and those kind of bands were able to build up. You could never do that in today's climate because all you have to do is Google up, you know, basically what... Robert Plant had for lunch and there it is. (laughs) (laughs) So it's hard to like build mystique for a band. And also I think it's become sort of a singles driven business again, which it was in the sixties, you know, that's how things were. But, you know, in the eighties, it was definitely album oriented rock. And I kind of miss that, you know, you have a physical CD in your hand and you can like look at the artwork and the packaging and get the information. It's, I don't know. There's something about holding physical product in your hand that I like miss, Yeah, you know, and I still do buy CDs. It's like my car is littered with CDs right now. It looks terrible. I mean, I guess it's not very environmentally friendly but i still like having physical product absolutely um i I just vinyl to me is just the look of vinyl just it's a great art form um and i was listening to jangle reinhardt on a vinyl is just amazing you know but like i said the new generation kind of of coming back to you it's like people are collecting it and use it on term tables and things i mean it's kind of cool. A lot of bands doing picture disc and color vinyl and all that stuff. So, yeah, very retro, very cool. Um, so you've obviously had a lot of experience working within record companies as well. Um, just going from the point of the business changing so much, how have the inner workings of a record company changed as a result of all this as well? 
I'm sorry. Can you like repeat that because I my phone rang and I missed it. <laughs> okay, no problem. Uh, going from the subject of uh, the business, music business changing, and um, given that you've had so much experience working within record companies over the years, uh, how has the inner workings of a record company changed as well? Um, I think unless you're like a pop act, you don't really even need a record company these days. It's like that's kind of the freedom of the internet as well is that bands can manage their own career. And I strongly suggest that they do that. Record companies are pretty much down to skeleton staffs. You know, when I worked at Geffen Records, there was like 280 employees. I'd be shocked if there were like 20 Geffen employees now. Mm. <laughs> it's like, it's a whole different day, you know? As and you- records don't sell like they did. I mean, we used to be in the business of, you know, giving away t-shirts to sell records. Now we give away records to sell t-shirts, you know. Yes, it really is mad. Um, what kind of advice would you have for, like, young musicians uh, in general relating to, uh, well, just, uh, I, I suppose, if, if a young band are, are coming to you just asking for general advice um, to do with music, what what would you kind of guide them towards in a business sense? Well, first thing would be hone your craft, write the best songs you can write, get your performance together, figure out what you have to offer that no one else has, you know? I mean, I I think the biggest mistake that acts make is whatever is hot in that moment, they sort of mimic that. And, um, you know, for me as a manager, it's like the last thing I want to do is do another Guns N' Roses or Poison or any of the bands I've done. It's, you know, once you've done it, you don't want to repeat it. And um, <clears throat> like I saw a great band from Australia the other night. I really liked it, but it was like so much like Imagine Dragons. I'm just like, yikes, man, there might be a lawsuit here if <laughs> I see this. <laughs> but um you know, they're like, okay, that's what's happening. So we're going to like do that. You know, it's find your own voice and, uh, put it out there. Um, and another mistake I find that bands make is they make these beautiful records, but they haven't honed in an audience. It's like, you have to really build your audience. It's like, you can't just like sell your record to strangers. So go out in your own hometown, build a base there, put it out internet wise. It's like make a, you know, internet guru, the fifth member of the band who can like really get you some hits because you have the freedom to put stuff out there, but you got to be able to marketing wise point people to your music and get them to like, like it and support you, you know? Yeah, that's almost become the, the the laptop or the phone is the other instrument now, isn't it, for the for the bands? Because it's not just a case of oh, we'll put it up on Facebook and Twitter. All these intricacies of the different of YouTube and exactly when to post and this, that, and the next thing. That's a, an art in itself, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you you can make a great video. That's important these days, too, because people go to YouTube to, like, find things and look at them. And it's, like, develop a storyline that's going to, like, get you some views, you know. Just straight-ahead music is not going to probably cut it. you got to put a little effort into it. 
Now, as well as the book, what other kind of, what other projects are you working on at the moment? Um, I've co-written a musical play called Glitter Beach, and we've had one workshop, and hopefully, are going to have a couple of more soon. It's about a glam rock surfer dude that invents glam rock in 1969, sort of a O to David Bowie. Um, with a little Dick Dale thrown in. <laughs> um, uh, it's a really fun piece, kind of the Wizard of Oz of the sea, basically. There's a mermaid muse and a surfer who invents this music. Um, it was really a lot of fun to write, and I'm looking forward to getting that out there. I still manage acts. I manage a girl named Diana Meyer. Her website's um, dianameyermusic.com. And I co-manage a band called Talk Like June, which is a country act. And they have just made a record with John Carter Cash producing. And it's like I made a record in Nashville with June Carter Cash, his mom, that won a Grammy. So it was like really fun to go back there and uh, make that record with him. You know, I I consult a handful of projects and, um, you know, and then this book, I've written a couple screenplays. I keep busy. <laughs> Absolutely. It sounds like it. Everything from managing Motley Crue to country. Who who would have thought? Just a, a phenomenal range there. Vicky. No, I like all kinds of music. I'm I'm pretty open in that way. Yes, you know, it's, it's I wanted great. to be good and moving. Absolutely. Well, listen, Vicky, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I cannot wait, genuinely can't wait to read this book you coming out. Uh, make sure it's available in Scotland. Of course, it'll be on the net anyway. Of course, we can all order it. Um, Vicky, thanks very much for chatting to me today. It's much appreciated. You're so welcome. Welcome to the jungle. I'm the worst Axl Rose impersonator ever and the worst singer ever, let's face it. Uh, big thanks to Vicky Hamilton for joining me on the podcast and a big thank you to Nora Germain as well for giving people advice. Um, uh, she's a lunatic, isn't she? Let's face it. Um, big, big, big reaction uh, from the Katie Tunstall podcast online. It's actually on YouTube. It's not just limited to SoundCloud and iTunes. So if you go over to scottcowie.com, you can watch that. Uh, interviewed Katie Tunstall, of course, in Los Angeles. Um, and it's, the reaction's been great online. So if you get a minute, go and check that out. Uh, the John Gom podcast a couple of weeks back um, has done great numbers too. So keep supporting the podcast. Keep checking it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Audio Boom, anywhere you get them podcasts. We are there. Thank you to Ron North for producing this as per usual and doing such a great job as he usually does. Mr. Consistent. Maybe that's a new nickname for you, Ron. Uh, Great guest coming up next week. Very, very good podcast. It's going to be a good one to watch next week, so check it out. And we will see you guys very soon. Boom!